0: comes to the Father by him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Death no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we just ask you that every father would just feel special, that the song would just give them an indication of just how special they are in your sight and how special they are in your plan for society. We just ask, Lord, for a blessing on today, a blessing on our world and that you would just overwhelm us with your glory, your glory and your presence at this time. Father, may your spirit move in the service in a way that we can all feel it tangibly. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life. That you'd minister to my heart. I ask that your word be revealed to me today. In a way that I can understand it. So that I can speak it. And do it. And see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, we're continuing with the series, um, God, Why Did You Do That? And um, it's obviously based on on Romans 12, verse 2. And uh, Romans 12, verse 2, which we've been going through for a few weeks now, actually says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will now the first thing i want you to think about today is the fact that fatherhood is god's idea and obviously with the problems we've got in our society with lack of fathers we see a lot of pain in society and when there's pain in society there's a question that many people ask and the question is this if you suffer does it mean that you're not a person of faith? If you suffer, does it mean that you're not a person of faith? Now, sometimes it can be. You know, for example, I remember uh, a few months ago, a famous cricket player, Shane Warne, died. And I was just reading through his life story. And there was one point in his life when he suffered pain because he cheated on his wife once too many times. And his wife left him with the kids. So, So she took the kids and they left him. And he he, he sat in a hotel room for a few days, basically punching himself verbally, saying, you idiot, you idiot, you idiot. So if in a situation like that, then you've caused your suffering. But there's a great amount of suffering that happens that we have no, um, you know, it's not caused by us. Now, when you sit down and you think about this, I want you to think about the pain of the lack of fathers in our society and that is one of the biggest challenges in south africa people talk about all sorts of problems but i want to tell you that there's two problems and that is as a nation we don't honor god and two the fathers are often absent i want you to think about what a father is a father is a person in the society that they like the soldiers of life they they they're ready for battle they're ready for war they're ready to defend and they are the strength of society. If you think about a family, if you think about people that are living in a certain situation, whenever things are falling apart, whenever there's chaos and tragedy going on, the family looks to the father for the strength. Because the father is the one that protects the family from danger. If you think about um a situation where maybe uh, robbers are coming in or you know to a house or something like that the fathers are the ones that protect the family the fathers of the, are the ones that something clicks in and they step up and they do something to make sure that the family is safe one of the things that we need to realize is that if you look at any family the biggest danger that you find in any family is sin And the father has a role to protect the family from sin. And you also need to realize, for many people, this is nonsense. This is nonsensical. But when you sit down and you think about it right now, boys, what are they protected from if there's a father in the home? You know, there's far less of a likelihood that a boy is going to end up in gangsterism if he has a father. Sometimes when the boy is 11, 12, 13, and he starts hanging around with the wrong guys that maybe are these very bad gangsters or something like that, if he just gets a couple of these on this end, you know, over here, a couple of uh, piri-piri shots, extra hot piri-piri, you know, on the rear end, on the rump, if you, if, you, if you know what I mean, that boy will often come right. It's not the same when a mother does it. Don't ask me why, but it just isn't. Also, if you think about girls as they're growing up, if there's a father in the house and some young man wants to come have his way with that guy's daughter, all right, well, then the the, the, the piri-piri, you know, goes from, like, to a sword, the the sword of the fist, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I know of a a guy, for example, when I was young, I was working with him, And he made a girl pregnant. Now this girl had a father. So the father called him into the lounge and they sat down. And the father took out a nice gun. Put it on the coffee table between them. And he said, right, now we're going to discuss what we're going to do about this situation with my daughter. Now at the end of the day, if she doesn't have a father, who's going to put the gun on the coffee table? Because that's what a father's going to do. A father will say, but... Touch my daughter, I'm gonna put a bullet right here. A father will do that, and the mother will say, Don't talk to him like that, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, fathers know that young man he needs it. You gotta threaten the oak. Because oaks don't understand anything but a threat. Hey, oh, but we're in a society that is so, so sophisticated and naked. no twack. Boys are still boys, all right. Boys are still boys, and you've heard me say it before, the law of the oak. You know the law of the oak? Two men have a fight, the one beats the other one up. Unless this one that lost believes he can get the other one another way, he submits. And so what happens is, if the father's not there, then the daughters become promiscuous. To a far greater uh, degree. And the thing is, you can go and look at studies of society. They're there. This stuff happens. So when the father's not there, there's a tremendous amount of pain that comes in society. And I want to tell you first and foremost that God can restore you from any pain that might have been caused in your life by fatherlessness. Even if you're a father who's in regret, God can restore you from fatherlessness. And he can restore you from bad decisions you may have made with your kids. But many people preach that faith means that you overcome all suffering and you don't have suffering. Many people preach today, you hear it all over the place, and it's not a new thing by the way, it was even preached in the time when Jesus was walking the earth, that someone of faith means you overcome every problem in life and there is no problem common views also then leading out from that are that your sin doesn't matter you can do whatever you want you can go wherever you want and it's your life you know don't don't mess with your life type of thing there's also a view that blessing means you're rich if you don't have this you're not blessed and there's a view that if you're close to god then you will have no trials in life. And if you're facing a trial, if you're facing a shortage, if you're facing a challenge, that this means that you're not close to God. Now, a few weeks ago, on Pentecost Sunday in Nigeria, gunmen walked into a Catholic church. Within this Catholic church was a couple who had gotten married the day before and had come to church on that Sunday morning, as an act of thanksgiving for their marriage. And these gunmen took semi-automatic weapons, opened fire on the congregation, and between 50 and 100 Christians died right there in the church that day. There were actually videos I saw of what actually happened there, and you just see this church, you see bodies. At one point you see a father and his young son lying there, both dead, both shot dead now if suffering means that you fall from god then those guys who were in that church gave their lives up for nothing if suffering means that you fall from god then stephen in the book of acts who was the first person who died for jesus other than jesus dying for us he was the first christian martyr if if suffering means that you fall from god then what that means is that peter gave up his life for nothing And it's okay to say that unless you read the words of jesus and jesus says this in matthew chapter 7 verse 24 to 27 he says anyone who listens to my teaching and fo- and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who has my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Yes, what Jesus said. You will have floods in your life, you will have storms in your life. You will have times in your life when the floodwaters are going to rise against the house, which and the house in that passage represents your life. And then he said this, when the storm comes, if you've built my life on my word, if you've built, sorry, your life on my word, then it's like a person who built their house on the rock. And when the floods come and the storms beat against that house, the house stands and then he said but if you do not build your life on my words those same storms are going to come then you are like a person who built the house on the sand and when the storm comes the house is going to collapse with a mighty crash <clears throat> meaning your life will crash if you're putting your faith in the things of this world when the storms come your life will fall apart and so jesus said you will face floods in life and then i want you to listen to what paul said and vix read the passage earlier i don't know if she knows it in the sermon but in 2 timothy chapter 2 it starts in verse 1 it says timothy my dear son be strong through the grace that god gives you in christ jesus so he says be strong in the grace that god gives you through christ jesus so first of all jesus needs to be your strength The grace that you get when you put your faith in jesus needs to be your strength because the grace that you get when you put your faith in jesus enables you to overpower and overcome all the storms of life and no matter how bad things are no matter how tragic things are when the storm passes you're able to stand up and say i'm still standing So it says, Be strong in the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed to many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Now I want you to understand, he's saying... Be strong with the grace of God in the battle. And this is what you need to realize. There is a battle in your home. If you're a parent, there is a battle for your kids. Today, there is a war that is happening for your children. And therefore, the greatest father in the world is a disciple maker. The greatest father in the world is the one who makes disciples, who has spiritual sons, but also disciples their children. And so when you when you look at the fact that the greatest father is a disciple maker the reason for that is you're in a war for your soul and suffering is inevitable in a war you will never find a war where there's no suffering whether you're on the winning side or the losing side there is suffering and so 2 timothy chapter 2 verse 3 says and, and I want you to think about that question. So if you're suffering, does it mean necessarily that you're far from God? Well, listen to what Paul says to Timothy. He says, endure suffering along with me. So was Paul far from God? If you think Paul was far from God, probably the greatest church planter in all of history. The guy who said he, 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 he had a revelation of heaven. He didn't know if it was a vision or if he really went there. He said endure suffering along with me as a good soldier for christ soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, civilian life for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them so what i want you to realize paul was incredibly close to god paul and god were like this paul was full of the holy spirit and look at what he said he said If suffering for the gospel comes endure it with him you know like those Christians in their church there in Nigeria they were killed for their faith they were shot up on Pentecost Sunday on a Sunday morning in church because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ their families who mourn them and who will still be mourning them today some of the family members would have been in the church service with him and would have watched them getting shot up. He says, "Endure the suffering as a good soldier for Christ." So Christian, you are the same as Timothy. You are a soldier for Christ. And now I want you to think about this, if you don't pick up your weapon, which is the Bible, if you don't pick your Bible up, Then you leave your city, you leave your family, you leave your community, you leave your nation defenseless. And so the message is be a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we fight this war? We fight this war not with weapons that people use. We fight this war by applying the blood of Jesus and expecting to see supernatural results from God coming through where we need needing to come through, especially when we're doing the will of God. And therefore, be careful of the distractions of life. Think about the distractions of life. The sport, the soapies, the news, the Valentine's Day. The distractions are never the father's day but what i want you to understand these things and many others the parties whatever we can go on forever these are the distractions of civilian life now i want you to think about this in a war what happens to the civilians go look at what's happening now with russia and ukraine there's numerous wars happening around the world What happens to the civilians in a war? When the opposing army comes in, they're defenseless. The only thing that can defend them against the enemy is their army. What happens to the civilians in a war? They become refugees. They have to often run from their homes. They often lose everything that they have. And if you're now going to choose in the spiritual battle of life to be a civilian, you have rendered yourself defenseless. If you're the father in that home, you have rendered yourself and your family defenseless. Injury will arise. These are often the fathers, for example, who will sit down with a pastor crying because they have a child that's on drugs. child that's basically lost and what paul says to timothy he says no timothy you're an officer in the army of the most High god you are a soldier in the army that has been listed by the lord jesus christ himself the lord jesus christ is your king and he has enlisted you in his army to be a good soldier for him and this is why paul says to timothy be a good soldier for christ You have been enlisted once you've given your life to Jesus to be a good soldier for Christ. And now here's a very important thing. To win the war requires discipline and it requires following the laws of things. If you go on in 2 Timothy 2 verse 5, it says, And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And a hardworking farmer should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor think about what i'm saying the lord will help you understand all these things last night i watched the stormers and the bulls were playing in the united rugby challenge final it's incredible that they were playing because all the south africans were at the bottom of the log in january and now we ended up with the all south african final a few months later fantastic And all these guys are playing rugby and they were smashing into each other and all of this kind of stuff but now imagine if what you know if there's a certain event that's going to take place later this year in december it's called the fifa world cup now yeah some of the guys are cheering you should be cheering for rugby damn it you know anyway okay but anyway there's a whole lot of matches that are going to be played there and these matches are going to be played and they're going to be refereed under FIFA's rules of engagement on a soccer field. I mean, when these two teams come, you're going to have two teams of 11 with some substitutes and coaches and, and, and medics and all sorts of people like that and a whole crowds and you know all of those sorts of things. And those games, these wars, are going to be refereed under the laws of FIFA. Imagine if one of those teams... Decides to play their game according to the laws of rugby Let me tell you what's going to happen The first thing is that team that decides to play by rugby rules cannot win that match Trust me they will not win that match In rugby you score in the corner Imagine if you're aiming to shoot at the corner In soccer, that's a goal kick. The other thing is, is that the team will pick the ball up. And the moment the team picks the ball up, the ref's going to blow and say, that's handball. Um, the other thing is you're going to see a guy coming while one guy's running with a ball, and he's going to tackle the living daylights out of that guy. Can you see it? In soccer, they're like a bunch of ballerinas. You understand what I'm saying? Guys fly and they roll around, you know? you know. You understand what I'm saying? But let me tell you, when a guy's really injured, he doesn't roll around. He's like, he just lies there. You know what I'm saying? Then you know there's trouble. In rugby, when they go down, they go down. People are concerned. You don't see players around there, hey, get up, get up, man. Come here, get up. And then the oak wants to fight him, but he's supposed to be injured. His leg's broken. Imagine now, the, the guy's running there, Ronaldo is running. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. The O comes and he tackles him. Bah! Red card. A normal rugby tackle is a red card in soccer. The, the soccer players can't handle it. Real fathers play rugby. Amen? <laughs> but at the end of the day, they might be the strongest team physically, whatever... They might have the best talent, but they're not going to win. You look at farmers, they have laws of sowing and reaping. At the start of the season, they've got a plant. There's a planting season. And um, they have to plant in the right soil. And if they don't plant, and they don't plant in the right soil, and they don't do the right preparation with the soil at planting time, when it comes to harvest time, there will be nothing to harvest. And he says... And if the farmer does all of that stuff and they plant, when it comes time for harvest, then the is allowed to share out of the first fruits of that harvest. Why? It's theirs. It's their labor. It's their work. They did it. And so if we think about the, the words of Paul, he's saying "Yeah, if we want to win at the game of life, we need to start looking at the creator of life, And the rules that he said and i want you to think about the words of paul he says if we're open to the work of the holy spirit he literally says it in the verse there. the lord will help us to understand all these things he even says you know if you disagree with me or if some disagree with me don't worry just believe and the holy spirit will allow them to understand all these things and so what is the biggest truth Out of this war that we need to understand the biggest truth is this in christ we've won the war for he was raised from the dead 2 timothy chapter 2 verse 8 to 10 says this always remember that jesus christ a descendant of king david was raised from the dead this is the good news i preach this is the good news i preach what that jesus christ who was a descendant of king david when he's saying that he's saying the prophecy was fulfilled in jesus the prophecy that was made to david that your descendants will be on my throne forever was fulfilled in jesus because today jesus is still on the throne and he says he was raised from the dead and this is the good news i preach and then he says this in verse nine and because i preach the good news i'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal But the word of god cannot be chained so i'm i'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in christ jesus to those god has chosen here's a lesson paul himself suffered greatly because of the gospel he preached listen before paul started preaching the gospel his life was perfect he he was he was he had stature in society he, he, he knew the Old Testament and he probably would have been quite wealthy. And yet now because he's preaching the gospel, he ended up in chains. He ended up in jail. He ended up where people wanted to kill him. And for him it was the same as for that Nigerian church. Paul was in chains and ultimately died for the gospel message. But then he says these words, the gospel cannot be chained. the question is why not the gospel cannot be changed because Jesus was raised from the grave if Jesus isn't raised from the grave and if you don't have the gospel message what do you say to someone at a funeral what can you say to someone at a funeral and you know often when you when you do funerals like I do people will do eulogies and some, sometimes the, the eulogies and often if it's a big funeral the person was successful they'll talk about how they, how they were fantastic in their studies they, they'll talk about what a great father or mother they were all of these they'll talk about all of these fantastic things and, and sometimes the funerals are very lavish because the person made a lot of money and it's a fancy coffin and the, you know no no is spared and they were fantastically successful in life You know they achieved everything that political parties promised the world you know when a political party is trying to get get uh, elected they promise education and wise education because then you can get a job and you can make a lot of money and you can buy a house on a hill in Bessonia and you can buy a ferrari and and etc etc and then you can be on the life of the rich and famous with beyonce Now, when the person, even when they've achieved all of that, here's the problem. They're still dead. And the thing is, the fact that Jesus rose from the grave is incredibly important to us because, and, and this is what I want you to hear today, it means that Jesus overcame death. And this is what Paul's saying, they've put me in chains for the gospel, but I don't care. They're going to kill me for the gospel. But I don't care. Because you cannot chain the gospel. Because no matter what the the storms are that are going to hit me, no matter what they're going to do to me, every place I go, I'm going to go there and stand before a judge. I'm going to go there one day and stand before Caesar. And when I stand before Caesar, it's going to give me an opportunity to preach the gospel to him. If you look at Stephen when he was being martyred, In the book of Acts. It's an incredible story. He's standing there before the whole ruling class of Judea in that time. Of the Israelite nation, of the Jews in that time. He's speaking in front of all of their political leaders, their religious leaders. They just want everyone to shut up about the gospel. Much like many people today want everyone just to shut up about the gospel. And while he's there, he speaks to them straight And God opens up the the veil and he sees heaven and he sees that's where he's going and he sees jesus sitting at the right hand of the father and he tells him i see jesus at the right hand of the father i see right now he's waiting for me because you guys are going to kill me the bible says at that point they began to scream they went absolutely nuts they actually lost it these sophisticated people they actually almost started pulling their hair out they were so freaked out by what he was saying and you know what as he was being stoned to death because they ripped him out to the city out of the city and as he was being stoned to to, to death outside the city he said father forgive them because i've seen you I, i've just looked at you in heaven you are spectacular you are powerful you someone i don't want to mess with you someone they don't want to mess with and i don't know what's going to happen to him so i'm asking you please to forgive him because they haven't seen what i've seen They haven't seen what I've seen, and so because they haven't seen what I've seen, they're doing this, and it's an act of stupidity. But for me, I'm gaining because I've seen where I'm going. You've actually given me the privilege to see where I'm going, and where I'm going is far better than you, and in fact, bring the stones on. You see, if God has shown you what is there, you'll also say bring the stones on. Because let me tell you, in comparison to where we're going this world sucks and so he says it doesn't matter if i'm in chains the gospel cannot be changed because jesus rose from the grave and and because he rose from the grave i now have a hope because the bible says And God will do things in your life if you will allow Him, if you will be led by the Spirit. The Bible says that if you put your faith in Jesus, that one day too, you too are going to be raised up out of the grave. And then He says, if we endure the suffering, it brings salvation. And not only will it bring salvation it brings salvation to us bring salvation to people around us but not only does it bring salvation it will bring eternal glory for those in christ jesus before stephen was stoned to death he saw the eternal glory let me tell you if you saw the eternal glory that awaits you because of your faith in the lord jesus christ your entire perspective and perception on life will change i saw a week or two ago a video by a guy and this guy actually died. And his wife was a very strong believer. And he gave this picture about him walking. He, he, he spoke about the colors in heaven that being colors that you can't even imagine and all that sort of thing. And then he he, he, he went to this opening. It was the opening to hell. This thing came out and started plunging its thing in his back because he wasn't really a believer. And and then he cried out for the mercy of God. And he saw what I can only think must be the new Jerusalem or something. And he said, you can't put into words what it is. He came back to life. He'd actually overdosed on pain, pain medication in his pickup truck. He was dead i think something like 11 hours suddenly he came back to life and it's totally changed his life it's totally changed his life because when you've seen the glory of the lord you cannot be the same you cannot be the same so 2 timothy chapter 2 verse 11 and 13 11 to 13 paul says this And i want you to listen to what he says now this is a trustworthy saying in other words you can trust what he's saying if we die with him we will also live with him so if i die with jesus i'm also going to live with him when i live with him it's forever he says if we endure hardship we will reign with him There's a reward if we endure hardship Especially if it's hardship for the gospel But even if we endure hardship that doesn't come from the gospel If we endure it with Christ If we endure it with our faith in Him We will reign with Him We will be in charge with Him We will be ruling with Him And then it says this If we deny Him He will deny us Whether you're going to spend eternity with Jesus or you're going to end up in the other place will be determined by whether you deny Jesus or you make him the Lord of your life. And then finally it says this, If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. I want you just to think about what Paul's saying there. He's saying that if we die with him, we will also live with him. He's saying that if we endure hardship with him, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. You don't want to be denied by Jesus. Tell the person next to you, say you don't want to be denied by Jesus. And then it says this and this is the promise. Tell the person say, next you say, This is the promise. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. So if I believe in Jesus, I'm now washed by the blood. And now I slip up and I'm unfaithful. He remains faithful. He's not like another person who says, I love you unconditionally till you're unfaithful then all of a sudden there's a condition in that unconditional thing. It's not like that with Jesus. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. To deny us then, when we're washed by the blood, to deny us requires that he must deny himself. I want you all to look at me now. For Jesus to deny you, when you've given your life to him would require that he denies himself just think about that for a moment and even when you've messed it up he's going to remain faithful I don't know about you but that fills me with a sense of comfort the things that i've messed up the things that i've blown up the things that i regret or whatever when i'm unfaithful he remains faithful and i want to say to you and i want you all to look at me and i want you to listen very very carefully to what i'm saying to you today some of you are probably sitting here and you've got issues and you've got things that you're holding against yourself because of decisions you've made in the past Because of things you've done in the past, because of things you've said in the past. And Jesus is saying, Yes, you are unfaithful, but I'm faithful. And you don't put your faith in you. When you believe in me, you put your faith in me. And he's saying to you right now that if you will put your faith in him, he is still faithful he hasn't changed and if you open your heart to him and you get touched by the Holy Spirit by him guess what he's going to do he's going to touch you again
1: I love you Jesus I worship and adore you just one Lord. Just want to tell you Lord, I love you more than anything Mm -hmm. I lift my hands in told.